0: Hey y'all, so we are, uh, it's Mother's Day, if y'all didn't know it, it's Mother's Day. I hope all the mothers, I hope y'all got a rose when you came in, I hope you know how much we love you, how much we we are so thankful for mamas, Sam said it a minute ago, he even thanked and wished his own mama a happy Mother's Day. And so, we're so thankful for mamas, you know, I want to, uh, I say that men are so dumb, and i me at the front of the dumb line you know i walked into a flower shop this is years ago i don't know maybe 10 years ago i walked into a flower shop i think it was the day before mother's day the saturday before mother's day and i said to the dude hey what can i get for three bucks you know so that was probably dumb but i know i'm very self-aware i know what was in my pocket I said, "What can I get for three bucks?" He says, "You can get a dozen carnations, or you can get one rose." Now, today you can't buy a rose for three bucks; they're seven ninety nine. Because I bought one yesterday, but they're, they're, back then it was, "You get a dozen carnations, or you could get one rose for three dollars." And I said to the guy at the flower shop, "It was on. Uh, it was a flower shop on Moon Road." And I said, uh, "I said, how come I can get a dozen? Because to me, it, raise your hand if you're a man, and a flower is just a flower. Uh, it's just a flower." The stuff between the northbound lane and the southbound lane of 185, all the little yellow things, it's, they're flowers. Like, I just didn't go pick one of those. But I digressed. I apologize. I said, why? why can I get a dozen carnations for 3 bucks, or I can get one rose for 3 bucks?" That, like, that's silly. I'm voting to get 12 flowers because a flower is a flower. He said, no, nah, bro. He said, he said, the difference in the price is because the scent of a carnation doesn't last very long. It doesn't last very long. It's not long-lasting. It doesn't have perseverance. It just kind of smells good for a brief period of time, and if the weather changes or if the humidity changes, it just loses its scent. He said, but a rose is a different story. A rose has a scent that lasts a long time. And he said, a rose can get old, and a rose can get kind of withered and wrinkled, and, but the scent of that rose lasts a long, long time. He said, a rose, you think it's dead, and, and, but it's not. He said the scent doesn't die. He said it can be crushed and it can be mushed up, but then you can make, turn it into potpourri. How about that? I know what potpourri is. You can, and, and the potpourri still has the scent of that rose. He said roses have perseverance. Roses are long-lasting. Roses have a sweet smell for a long, long, long time. Y'all, women are roses. Women are roses. Women, mamas are valuable valuable. And I'm telling you as a mama, as a woman, even if you're not a mama as a woman, you are so valuable. And don't reject being God's kind of woman. Don't reject being God's kind of woman. An ungodly woman's a dime a dozen. Don't do that to yourself. And don't let any man ever tell you that you are not valuable. Marilyn bought that life for 40 years don't let any man tell you you're not valuable and don't let the devil get up in your ear and tell you that you're cheap and that you're worthless you're not you're not you don't If hear anything else for the rest of today please hear that you're a rose you're expensive you're valuable don't reject who you are in Christ don't reject being a godly woman my point is that a godly woman is a rose I want to start off today by telling you, talking to you about a guy that, that Paul wrote two of his letters to. First preacher that ever came to this guy's town got stoned to death, left for dead by an angry mob because, you know, Zeus Zeus owned that town. Zeus was worshiped in that town. There was a temple right outside the city gates, and it was a temple that was, that was made for Zeus to worship Zeus in. Nobody in that town wanted to hear nothing about no Jesus. It was all about Zeus. This guy's dad was not a believer. He was not a Christian. He was not a God-fearer. You know, you had people that, that maybe they believed in God, but they didn't, you know, kind of go down any sort of Jesus road. They really weren't even Jewish back then. This is in the first century. They, they, he wasn't even one of those. He didn't believe in any kind of God unless... Maybe potentially he believed in Zeus, which obviously Zeus is a false god. This guy, he grew up mingling with the muckety-mucks of society. The, the, he grew up uh, with the, the, unbelievable, uh, the un, unbelieving intellectuals of the day, the intellectually elite. We got any intellectual elites in the world today? We got any philosophers that think they're all smarter than everybody? This is the world that this guy grew up in in the first century. You're safe. (laughs) No worries. Um, But he he grew up with all, he knew all their philosophies, y'all. He knew all of their teachings. He knew all of the intellectual stuff that they were spouting out. And he knew how they laughed and scoffed and mocked at the very idea of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, in spite of all this, he was led to the Lord. And he was such a sincere and godly man that he gained the respect of all the Christians in that area where he was. And you know, a lot of time it's, it's easy to go outside of your own area and get respect. It, it's, it's easy to go into a place where people don't really know you and you can put on maybe a front, maybe it's a fake front or maybe it's a legit front and 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 people will respect you but but these people knew these are people who knew him the best these are people that that lived with him that worked with him alongside of him they respected him because they said and they felt and they thought and they believed that he was so authentic and he was so real and he was so genuine and he was so honest they respected him god eventually called this guy to be an evangelist to be an evangelist the apostle paul called him a brother, he called him a, a companion, and he called him a comfort. Timothy is who I'm talking about. Paul's spiritual son Timothy. Paul used Timothy as an ambassador and he gave Timothy the really the most difficult jobs when the church in Corinth began to absolutely lose its mind. Y'all do realize Corinth, the church in Corinth, they were jacked up. They were messed up. And when they needed somebody to come restore them or reconcile them or fix stuff in Corinth, Paul sends Timothy when the church in Thessalonica the church in Thessalonica is under persecution under severe persecution. Paul sends Timothy to Thessalonica. I love saying that. Thessalonica. Paul sends Timothy there to encourage the believers there to strengthen the believers there of all the Christians all the preachers all the missionaries in the first century. Paul chooses Timothy to to be his ambassador. And that's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. He called him a co-worker in God's service. And this is coming from, from a guy, Paul, you know, he writes half the New Testament. Paul, who, who was charged with leading and being a minister to the Gentiles in the first century. Now let me ask you this question. With all of that kind of background, how could a kid with a more or less atheist dad, like Timothy had, how could a boy Uh, from the environment, that grew up in the environment that he did, how could a guy like that grow up to be so mightily used by God? Who was it, what was it that prepared Timothy to be used by God in such a great way? What was it, who was it that trained Timothy up to help so many people? What was it that guided Timothy, that directed him, that, that helped him to really make his life count for something? What's going to protect our children today? Who's going to protect our children today when violence and sex and selfishness is piped into every single form of media that we would ever even think about? All over the web. Every device. Every form of media. Just garbage is pumped in. What's going to direct our kids? What's going to encourage our kids? What's going to train our kids? What's going to tutor, who's going to tutor our kids when, when the world is screaming the exact opposite of what this book says? Because that's what's—that's the world we live in. Y'all, that's the world Timothy lived in. Don't look back at the first century and think it was so great back then. The world Titus grew up in. Probably one of the most depraved places on the face of the planet. Timothy, same thing. Who's going to protect our children when suicide is almost the number one cause of death among teens. What's going to protect the children and, and help them become growing and contributing and, 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 and successful members of our society make the most out of their lives when their friends are, are escaping many, uh, escaping reality through drug and alcohol abuse. It's the same thing that helped Timothy. Timothy grew up in a world much like ours today. It's the love and the guidance of a godly mama. A godly mama. You want to protect your child? You want to to help your children to become all that God intends for them to be? Let's look for a second at 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, right at the beginning. I want to paint a picture of what a rose of a godly woman looks like. And let me preface this too with, you may not be a mama yet, but you got a mama you may be yearning to be a mama today and our prayer is today is that that God will fulfill that it's his timing though and let me tell you something about God's timing it's always perfect it doesn't if this is the bullseye he doesn't hit right there y'all he hits dead center his timing is always perfect my prayer for me is let me get inside of his will his timing. Let me surrender to his timing. It's always perfect. And his provision, Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides. His provision is equally as perfect as his timing is. So, the, so if you are yearning to be a mama and it just hadn't happened yet, God's timing and provision are always perfect. And so we're praying and, and loving on you today as well. If you are Lost a mama in the last year, or two, or 10, or 15, or 20. Thank the Lord for her. And I know many of us, maybe even a lot of us, had some mamas that were way, way not perfect. Number one, none of us had a perfect mama. There's no such thing. But your mama may may have been way, way off of perfect. She's still your mama. Pray, thank the Lord for her too. We'll jump back to that thought in a minute. Let me read to you 2 Timothy chapter 1. Starting in verse 2. The Bible says, To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly, this is Paul talking to Timothy, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy, I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I'm sure dwells in you as well y'all in those few verses Paul is kind of reminiscing about days gone by and and the time that he had spent with Timothy and this is in these first few verses we find this first petal in the rose of a godly mama and it is sincerity it is sincerity sincerity Paul says to Timothy, I remember your sincere faith. He says, your sincere faith. That's what I'm reminded of. And he says that it was just like your mom and them. Y'all know that word, mom and them? That's a southern term, mama and them. We just make it one word, mom and them. That's what Paul is saying. This is in southern Greece. But he says, it's just like mom and them, Lois and Eunice. So if you want to make a difference for good in your child's life, and this is what godly mamas do. If you want to help them become everything that God intends for them to be, godly mamas are sincere. They're authentic. They're real. They're, they're genuine. And that word means in the Greek, that word means what you see is what you get. And what you see is what you get. And what you see is what you get at home with a godly mama. What you see is what you get in the aisle at Target. What you see is what you get with a godly mama in the car. My wife used to drive around, two kids in the back seat and a big old wooden spoon between the seats. Anybody grow up with a wooden spoon? I'm Me too, brother. She'd be all like this driving, weaving all over the road. You think it's bad to text and drive, try to beat children with a wooden spoon and drive. She'd be nursing one, putting makeup on and hitting the other one with a wooden spoon all the while while driving. I digress, I'm sorry. Here, here's the deal it's authenticity it is It is. be genuine godly mamas y'all are genuine because you really do you, what, what you see what's professed is the walk that's happening it's authentic i give you a phrase I hear this phrase from time to time and I believe it to be utter nonsense and mamas say it and daddies say it do what I say not what I do how about do what you say? Godly mamas do what they say. Godly men, fathers, do what they say. It's nonsense to say do what I, I say and not what I do. People say that like it's biblical or something. That's not biblical. It's anti-biblical. It doesn't get it. Do what I say, not what I do, doesn't get it. So you don't, don't, it it, it totally sends the wrong impression to your kids. Godly mamas don't do it. If Jesus Christ really is the answer for the world today, act like it. Godly mamas act like it. They believe it, and they act like it. You want want the kids, for Jesus to be a priority in the kid's life, he needs to be a priority in your life. For a godly mama, he is a priority in her life, and the kids see that. She's modeling the priority of the Lord in her life, and the kids see that. And if you don't have any children yet, just know they watch every single thing you do. They hear every word that comes out of your mouth. I could tell you story after story where my words came back to haunt me. They hear everything. They see everything. And a godly mama is allowing her children to see the, that, that the Lord is a priority in her life. Because you see this, way more than Christianity is taught, it's caught Way more than talk. Because you can, you can talk all you want. You can even teach all you want. But if they're not catching it from you, it's not really working right. So more than Christianity is taught, it is caught by mamas and daddies. But it's Mother's Day. We'll talk about fathers, you know, in a, in a month or so. So first petal in this rose of a godly mama is sincerity. And then the second, ro- second petal in this rose is, is, uh, is encouragement. It's encouragement. Godly mamas encourage their kids. Look back to verse 2, the very first two words of verse 2. It says, Paul wrote to Timothy. To Timothy, you see you see, there the name of the guy that Paul's writing to. And that name Timothy means one who honors God. One who honors God. Timothy's dad wasn't a believer, right? So he didn't get the name from Tim. Uh, Timothy didn't get his name, one who honors God, from his dad. No, he got it from Mama Eunice. It was her idea. She had high high expectations for this boy from the very get-go. She gives him a name that would encourage him, one who honors God. That name would encourage him. That name would, would drive him forward, really in everything uh, in his entire life, would be driven by that name. Encourage your kids. You know, we see today lots of times, we see mamas and dads who spend a lot of time putting their kids down, a lot of time, really discouraging rather than encouraging. A lot of shame in their kids, telling their kids that that they're an inconvenience. And even if they don't tell them they're an inconvenience, the way they live their life conveys the message to the kids that they're an inconvenience, that they're worthless, that they'll never amount to anything. Godly mamas don't do that. Godly mamas put their arms around their kids, love on them, hug them, encourage them, Spend time encouraging little Johnny, little Betty Sue. Build them up. Don't tear them down. You want to make a positive difference in your kid's life? Little boy, little girl, you want to make a positive difference? Be authentic, be genuine, be be sincere, be real, and be encouraging. But then you also have, there has to be discipline. It's number three. There has to be discipline. Look at Proverbs 29. Verse 15 says, The rod... And reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Verse 17, discipline your son and he will give you rest, he will give delight to your heart. So these verses tell us that kids need discipline, kids need boundaries, kids need parameters, kids need guidelines, kids need correction. Now a six-year-olds not going to say to you, Mom, I think I need to be disciplined. No. They're not going to say, Mom, give me some guidelines, give me some boundaries give me some guardrails so I know not to go. They're not gonna say that. Now when they're 25 or 30, they may come back and say, thank you for kinda keeping us between the rails. Probably they will. But they need guidelines to live by, they do. They need to know that there's consequences, y'all. They need to know there's consequences to getting outside of the guidelines or, or, or ignoring the guidelines or breaking the rules they need to know that there's consequences to that. They, they do. Tell you a story, little story, and I don't think I've told this story before, but we're on the way getting ready to leave to go to my parents' house for Thanksgiving. And uh, our kids were maybe six and eight or nine, something like that. And we sit down with them, and you know, the number one rule in many houses is don't embarrass mama. Is that Was that a rule when y'all grew up? Don't embarrass mama. And so we're sitting there and I'm talking to the kids. I said, Zach, we'll we're going to Nanny and Poppy's house for Thanksgiving. Don't be acting like a fool. Don't embarrass mama. You're gonna get a spanking. If you act like a fool, if you misbehave, you're gonna get a spanking. Don't don't do it. Act right, behave. Just don't embarrass mama. Okay, okay. So I walk down the hall, go back into the den. It's 30, 45 seconds later, one of them walks out there to me and he kind of leaned against the chair and he said, Daddy, can I get a spanking? And I said, what are you talking about, Willis? Can you get a spanking? He said, yeah, I know I'm not going to be able to behave, so I want to go ahead and get the spanking now. I said, bro, you can't put spankings on deposit and just use them when you need them. You know, it don't work. it don't work that way. That really did happen. It was one of the funniest things ever. Parameters, y'all, guidelines. That's what kids need. And they need you to be consistent. Godly mamas are consistent. Inconsistency in parenting, and we all fail now. Let me go ahead and raise, I mean, I'm the chief among them, but inconsistency is a terrible thing to be as a parent because then the the the, the bar, the parameters constantly moving totally sends the wrong message to a kid. So be consistent and and have enough intestinal fortitude guts or whatever you would call it to let the kids know that there's guidelines that are going to be enforced Help them to understand as much as a kid can. You love them enough to discipline them. If you didn't love them, just put them off to the curb. Let them act and do whatever whatever they want to do. But love them enough to discipline them. Other than teaching them about Jesus, I think teaching them about discipline the best that we can as parents is way up at the top of the list. So we got sincerity, we got encouragement, we got discipline, the fourth pedal on this godly Motherhood rose is unconditional love. Y'all, this is a biggie. I want to read you a little passage in Romans chapter eight, arguably the best chapter in the all of the Bible. Romans chapter eight, starting verse thirty-five: <clears throat> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long; we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of the Lord. He says nothing. Amen, amen, amen. In other words, God's love is unconditional. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to, to, to unearn it. We don't bring it to the table. He brings it to us. If you are bought by the blood, a born-again, new-creation Christian, you have been adopted into the family of God. You are a child of the one true king, and nothing can, rip, nothing can wreck that. Nothing can rip you out of his Hand. nothing can rip you out of the love that he has for you it can't be done nothing can tear you apart from the love of God well tell me where are kids going to learn unconditional love if it's not from you, mom or daddy where are they going to learn it? they are going to learn it in school? probably not because the teacher's got their back as long as their grades are good and their behavior is good they're going to learn it on a baseball field, on a football field from a, from a coach as long as they're playing well and behaving on the field, maybe they will. But let me tell you a little story about that. Ninth grade, one of my kids, high school baseball, summer ball. Raise your hand if you played summer ball. Summer ball, they're, they're playing high school. I don't know, third, fourth game of the season, of the summer ball season. <clears throat> um, and they lost. And it was a little bit of a squeaker. They lost. Second baseman made an error in about the fifth inning. Um, they had made other errors during the game. Second baseman made error in the fifth inning. Game got tied up, and then they lost. Coach, it's a high school baseball coach, y'all. They gather around the mountain until he's talking to the kids. He points to the kid playing second base, and he said, y'all can thank him for the loss. They gonna learn unconditional love on an athletic field? Probably not. Probably not. You don't, you don't say that to kids. And I'm not saying it's a coach's job to teach kids unconditional love but how about let's not teach them the opposite of that you know they're going to learn unconditional love from their friends as long as they're following their friends as long as they're doing whatever their friends are doing their friends got their back but as soon as that stops they probably don't so tell me where are they going to learn unconditional love if me and you and godly mamas do this they model unconditional love for their kids they model it Because the kids see it and they feel it. You know, you need to show your kids that there's nothing that they can ever, ever do that will cause you to love them less. Nothing. Not bad grades, not bad behavior, not failures on an athletic field. Nothing. Nothing. Tell them. Show them. Hug them. Hold them. It counts. It makes such a difference. Godly mamas allow their kids to experience The unconditional love that she has for them. A hug goes such a long way. Now, don't get me wrong. Can you be upset with them? Say yes. Can you be mad at them? Yeah, of course you can. Can you pop their leg with a wooden spoon? Of course you can. Say yes. (laughs) Can you be disappointed in them? Absolutely, can you discipline them and still love them unconditionally? That is exactly a mirror image of God's relationship as our Heavenly Father with us. That is what a godly mama mirrors to her children. And she does it. So, mamas, you got sincerity, you got encouragement, you got discipline, you got unconditional love. And the fifth pedal is this godly mamas have good attitudes, have the right attitude. Paul talks about this in the latter half of Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking about what the new, what a, what the new life in Christ looks like, what being a new creation looks like. He talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new. Welcome to the new, Paul says. We got to witness that for Marilyn Monday night. We got to watch her old self fall off, and we got to see her get a new self. That's what happens when Paul talks about being a new creation. And so, so Paul talks about this. And he says, he says she speaks truth. Truth with compassion, but truth reconciles conflict quickly and amicably. Works hard. Good words come out of the mouth. And then he sums, up, sums this all up in verse 31 and 2 of, of Ephesians chapter 4. And he says this. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. He says, Take all that negative stuff, and when he says, Let it be put away from you, throw it out to the curb. And then in verse 32, he says, Be kind to one another, be tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So he says, Be kind, be tender hearted, be forgiving. Take all the negative, put it out there, be kind, be tender hearted, and be forgiving. That's like that's the description of of a godly mama and so godly mamas they show their kids the the right attitude about work the right attitude about life the right, right attitude about the day that day they have the right attitude towards other people don't go around complaining all the time about what you don't have and what they do have I've said this so many times up here comparison is the absolute death of joy it's the absolute death of joy have the right attitude, eliminate the negative and, and focus on the positive. If you're married, build up daddy, their daddy. Build up daddy in their eyes. What an example that is is to see unconditional love for a child to see unconditional love between a husband and a wife. Godly mamas build up the dad. Point out his great qualities. Now I know it may take a while for you to think about it and find some of those great qualities. Find them that, you married him. I mean I didn't marry him, you married him. You could at least say he has good taste in women. Find something redeeming about your husband and let your kids see that. Let them see it. Let them see. Let them see you praying together. One of the most powerful scenes in the movie Overcomer was when the two boys are, are looking into the living room. And, uh, and mom and dad are praying together. What a sweet image for children to see. Let them see you hug each other. They, it, it, it models the love of the father. It's a perfect image for kids to see. Let them see that whatever you do, that you do it for the Lord. That you do it to bring praise and honor and glory to the Lord. Ben Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, he said... He said this sentence that influenced him the most in his life was this. He said, some people grumble because God placed thorns among the roses. Why not thank God because he he placed roses among the thorns? We live in a thorny world, y'all. Godly mamas are roses that ultimately the prayer is that those roses choke out the thorns. That the roses rise up to the top. And push the thorns away. I'm so thankful for godly moms. Sincer- sincerity, encouragement, discipline, unconditional love, and the right attitude. I want to give you the last, the last thing. Godly mamas bathe their kids in teaching. In teaching. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse. Again, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned. Continue what you have learned and what you firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. That means Lois and Eunice showed Timothy scripture. They read scripture with Timothy. They talked about the Lord with him. How you became acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As an aside, ultimate purpose of this book is to lead a lost sinner into a saving relationship with the Lord. We can argue about the science and the and the sociology and the history and the and anything else about the scriptures, but don't put a burden on the bible that's not there. The ultimate purpose is to lead lost sinners into a saving relationship with the guy that wrote it, with the God that wrote it. And so Paul says that to Timothy. So teach godly mamas, teach their children, teach their children about God. Verse 13, Paul warns Timothy there's going to be imposters, are going to be false teachers. They're coming, they're coming. He tells them they're coming. It's a statement of fact. And then in verse 14 he says the best defense against the imposters, the best defense against false teaching the best defense against false teachers is to remember the truth claims in this book. To remember the truth claims and the image of the Lord that is painted by what Paul calls the sacred writings. And he says the things that you learned as a child. And who was it that taught him? Mom and them. Y'all, it was mom and them. It was Lois and Eunice that taught Timothy that. It, surely it wasn't his dad. So mothers, godly mamas, teach their kids about God. Grandparents, teach your grandchildren about the Lord. Aunts or uncles, teach your nieces and nephews about the Lord. Anybody in your path, teach them, teach them the stories of the Scripture and, the, and share with them the lessons that are learned from those stories. Teach them about David and how God used David to rule Israel even when David was a murderer and a sinner. Even that David was a measly little shepherd boy. God, teach him about how God used him. You know what kind of image that tells kids? God uses everybody. Everybody. Sinners and saints alike. Teach him about, about Abraham and about how God blessed Abraham when Abraham believed him. Abraham steps out in belief and he follows God. Teach him about how the Israelites come to the water's edge and they're disobeying The Lord, and they had to wander in the desert for 40 years because of that disobedience, there's consequences mamas, godly mamas, they teach their children about prayer and how to pray and they model that prayer for their kids and they make the lessons in scripture real and authentic Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Bible says that you're to teach children the things of God when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up in other words you should teach the, the kids about the Lord in every arena of your life and all the time. All the time. And I'm telling you this, mamas, daddies too. Opportunities don't last forever. Take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord provides for you to have those conversations with your kid cuz when sometimes when those opportunities are gone they're gone. You know as you're walking with your daughter Share with her the way that God has designed things. Share with your daughter how perfectly God has designed her. That she is to be respected. You know when you' when you're walking or when you're playing or when you're working, whatever it is, share with the kids that. I used to watch Susan would, would walk, uh, our kids, they were little in the strollers, and she'd be walking in the neighborhood or something. and she's constantly talking to them. Look at the tree. God created that tree, and that tree provides oxygen so we can breathe. And look at the cardinal, look at that bird. God painted that bird, that red, that beautiful, bright red. and God painted that bird. and He, he spoke that bird into existence when he created the world, and God created the wings on that bird perfectly so that bird can fly. Well, why can the bird fly? So the cat don't eat the bird. But God created the bird that way. Look at the sun, how it moves up and down in the morning and goes down in the evening and God did that. And she, Zach and Will she'd say, you know, the, the earth is this perfect distance away from the sun and if it was any closer we'd burn up and if it was further away, y'all, we'd freeze to death and God Hung it right where it goes, and she's just talking and talking. Y'all, we were in a restaurant, gosh, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago. In this restaurant, there's this five-year-old kid, and he's sitting there, and we walk in. They're sitting there when we walk in. They were actually were sitting there when we left. But it's a mama and about a five-year-old kid. They're sitting at a table. The kid's got a tablet in his hand. The mama has her cell phone, and she's nonstop they did not speak one word to each other. She's on the phone. He's on his tablet. We had to have been there. We had to have been there an hour. And it, it, that's the way it was. Put the phone down. Man, talk to your kids. Talk to your kids. Don't just give them a tablet to babysit them. Talk to them. Teach them about the Lord. That's what godly mamas do. And that's what godly dads do too. Talk to them. Let Teach them. Let the kids see the love for the word of God. Let the kids... Godly mamas are going to read the scripture with them. Five minutes a day, whatever it is. Let them see you digging in and studying and highlighting and underlining and doing whatever with scriptures. Let them see you digging in and spending time with the Lord in his word. I want to tell you a story. I want to end with this story. It's a story about the love of a mom, and It's a story about scripture. You got this this guy, he's in jail. He's in jail and he needs money. And he sends his uh, mama a note, a letter. He writes her a letter. And he says, uh, he asks her to send him $500. He says, "I really, I I need need it now. I need $500. I need it now. And soon after, he gets a package from his mom. And and there's a note on top of it. It's a Bible. It's a note on top of it that, that says, son, I love you. Pray, 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 and read your scripture. Pray. Get on your knees and pray and read your scripture. Read the Bible. The guy's ticked off. He goes and gets a phone call. One of the guards allows him to use a phone. And he calls his mom and he says, Look, Mom, I I appreciate the Bible, but what I need right now is 500 bucks. I need 500 bucks. I don't need the Bible. I need $500. She says, Son, pray. Pray that the Lord will provide. Pray for his provision. Pray and read the scripture. Read the Bible. He just got ticked and hung the phone up on her. And he writes her letter, Mom, like I know that you believe in God. I know you do. But that's the problem with you Christians. You, you're so caught up in that, you don't know how to get along in the real world that, all, that everybody else lives in. You're living in some fantasy world. I need a check. I need a check or I need five greenbacks. If I need money, don't be sending me a Bible and telling me to pray. He gets a letter back from his mom. He wrote that in a letter. He gets a letter back from his mom and said, Son, get on your knees and pray. Pray to the Lord. Pray to the Lord and read your Bible And he is so irritated For the next six months he just sets the Bible Off in the corner of his cell Finally he's getting out of jail Who do you think Who's there to pick him up Mama's there to pick him up He could barely talk to her He said mama you let me down You let me down I needed money You send me some tired old book I needed 500 bucks You tell me to pray and to read the Bible She says, son what are you talking about he said, I wrote you, I called you, I begged for $500 and you every time you would say, you sent me some tired old, same tired old message about praying and, and reading the Bible and she says, well son, did you did you pray and did you read the Bible? And he said, yes mama, I prayed and I read the Bible but I'm still as broke as I was the first time that I called you on the phone. She says, son, do you have the Bible with you? He reaches in his bag he pulls the Bible out. She says, son, let me ask you one more time, did you pray and did you read your Bible he said yes mama I told you that I prayed and I read the Bible she said son you neither prayed nor read your Bible she opens up the Bible and at every major division is a hundred dollar bill taped inside the Bible if that boy had just read the Bible he would have understood that the very thing that he was looking for was in the text of God's Word but he didn't take the Word of God seriously And so what the Word of God has to offer, he never received. He never received it. Godly mamas teach their children to love God's Word because God's Word will lead them to the author of it all. His Word will lead them to the author. Teach them. Teach them the gospel, man. Teach your kids. Godly mamas share the gospel with their kids. They teach them about who Jesus is. They teach them to understand Their need for salvation. You will never find your way to the foot of the cross if you don't understand your need for what happens at the foot of the cross. You can never be saved if you don't believe you need saving. If you don't believe that you're a sinner, if you don't believe that you are desperately in need of of salvation, you I mean you can't be saved. That's that's a major part of it. Let your kids know. Let your kids know godly mamas and daddies let their kids see their own brokenness there's nothing one of the sweetest times I ever had with my kids was when they saw that daddy was a sinner because your kids are going to put you on a pedestal you got to take yourself off the pedestal and let them know that you are broken and that they are broken and in need let your kids know that y'all let them know how to be saved and let them know, teach your kids, one of the greatest lessons, teach your kids, and godly mamas, y'all do this, that being saved doesn't equal being sinless. Being saved doesn't equal being sinless. That Let them know that being saved doesn't mean being perfect either. Being saved means being forgiven. And the greatest truth you can teach your kids is what forgiveness looks like about what being forgiven means and and what forgiving means. We forgive the way he forgave. Let your kids see that in your life. Model that forgiveness for them. Y'all, bottom line, there is no more influential a role on the planet than a mama's. As significant as political leaders are, military leaders, educational leaders, um, um, pastoral sort of leaders, as influential as all those people can be, none of them come close or the, to the impact that a mama can have on a child. A mama's words are never, ever, ever truly forgotten. There may be a time between about 14 and 20 where you think they forgot everything you ever said, but they're not, it's still there. It's still there, it's never truly forgotten. The hugs that a mama gives a son or a daughter, the impact of that touch, it absolutely lasts a lifetime. The memory, you think about it. If you have lost your mom, the memories of, of her and the things that she said and taught you, they last forever. They last forever. And I didn't know my grandma super, super well, but I knew my granddaddy super well. and I And stuff that he says a 55-year-old man Stuff that he says way back, it comes in my head all the time. It's the same thing that happens with mamas and grandmamas. Abraham Lincoln was right. Abraham Lincoln said that that no one is poor who had a godly mother. But here's what I can tell you, y'all. You can't be a godly mother without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't be. And I'm not saying you're going to be an axe-murdering mother without him. But you can't be a godly mother without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is simple, it's acknowledging the sin, repenting, turning away, and this is not just for mamas, this is for anybody watching, I don't care how old you are, male or female. I repent of my sin, I turn away from it, I turn towards the Lord. And I confess with my mouth that He is the Lord and Savior. That that payment on that cross took care of my sin. And I believe in my heart that He was raised three days later that's the gospel that's that's what happened to Marilyn Robinson Monday night that fast and and the heart gets transplanted and you become a new creation my prayer is if you don't know him today that you would say along this little prayer I'm going to pray right now think it along, say it along, confess with your mouth Lord I do repent of my sin I acknowledge that I'm broken and that I'm sinful and I turn away from it and I turn towards you. And I and I confess with my mouth, Lord, that you are the Lord. That you are my Savior. And I believe that you rose from the dead three days later. Lord, save me. Lord, save me in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, bottom line, if that happened to you, watching or whatever, our somebody on our prayer team is back in that corner. They would love to talk with you about it. I would love to talk with you out here about it. Talk to somebody about it. Let me pray one more time real quick and then I'm going to turn it over to the worship team. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for mamas, for godly mamas. Lord, I'm thankful that my two sons have a godly mama. And Lord, I'm thankful for all of the mamas that are here, that are watching, that are listening. And again, Lord... I know we've got people in our church family that desperately want to have kids and so what I lift, Lord I lift them, them up to you this morning that we can all surrender to your timing because and, and trust that your timing is always perfect that your provision is always perfect. Lord I know there are people in here that had what the world would say is a terrible mama Lord but i I pray that you would heal those wounds for the people in our church right now that had mamas that maybe did bad stuff. Lord, that you would heal those wounds, that they would forgive, that they would forgive them. Lord, there may be mamas in here today that need to ask forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would prick their heart to do just that. And, Lord, I know that being a single mom in the world today is probably the hardest job on the planet. And so, Lord, we pray for strength and for provision and for love and for understanding for all of the single moms. And so, Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.